Welcome to Farm to Stable, a science-based equine nutrition podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nettie Leibert. I'm a lifelong horse person and professional equine nutritionist with the goal of helping horses and their humans create balanced diets to set them up for success, no matter what age, discipline, or circumstance. Disclaimer, the information discussed here is based on current scientific research and is for educational purposes only. Every horse's individual needs vary. This is not a substitute for veterinary medicine or nutrition consultation. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Farm to Stable podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nettie Leibert, and this week I want to talk a little generally about feeding the metabolic This is a very common question out there for horse owners. And we're just going to start by talking about what does that even mean to have a metabolic horse? Well, it means basically an endocrine disorder. Now, the two most common equine endocrine disorders are equine Cushing syndrome or PPID. PPID stands for pituitary pars intermedia dysfunction or equine metabolic syndrome, or EMS. Now, EMS is essentially insulin resistance. So it's not exactly the same as type 2 diabetes in people, but it is similar. Going back to PPID or Cushing syndrome, so horses have three lobes of their pituitary gland. It's in there at the base of the brain, right? The middle part is the pars intermedia, and it becomes enlarged because of a number of physiological factors. And ultimately what happens is that pars intermedia sends out too much of a hormone called adrenocorticotropin hormone, or ACTH. ACTH tells the adrenal glands, hey, you got to make a whole lot of cortisol. And then ultimately, normally, what would happen is when cortisol levels in the body go up, you have a feedback system so that the body can regulate it. And then it says it recognizes, oh, cortisol is high. I got to bring it back down. And that's very generally how the body will regulate something like cortisol. It works in a lot of other hormones too, but in particular, we're talking about cortisol. Now, in PPID horses, that ACTH just is abnormally high and cortisol consequently stays abnormally high in that feedback mechanism. That feedback loop doesn't quite function normally. So this elevated cortisol is the reason for the long hair coat. Uh, It can contribute to the lack of shedding. It can contribute to suppression of the immune system uh, and consequently delayed healing and a couple of other things. So that's just one of the reasons why it's important to manage PPID. Now, cortisol is a steroid hormone. Long story short, long-term high-level exposure to steroids can predispose one, including horses, to insulin resistance. So PPID and equine metabolic syndrome are two separate conditions. They are not the same. Just because you have one does not mean you have the other. However, if you have a horse with Cushing's syndrome, they are at higher risk for developing equine metabolic syndrome. To our knowledge, equine metabolic syndrome has uh, no bearing on whether or not your horse develops PPID. Uh, So to our knowledge, that doesn't happen. But PPID or Cushing's syndrome does predispose the horse to metabolic syndrome. So back to metabolic syndrome. When you 
or your horse eats some meal, typically there are some starches and sugars or carbohydrates in that meal, which is totally normal. And those carbohydrates get absorbed into the blood and they stimulate insulin to be released from the pancreas. Insulin then tells the muscle cells, hey, we've got a lot of carbohydrates or sugars in the blood. We need to store it for later use when we need the energy. So when a horse is insulin resistant, a quote-unquote normal amount of insulin doesn't have that effect, and you end up with this glucose in the blood, and it's not getting stored the way it should. So what does the body do? Well, what do you think is logical? It secretes more insulin to try to compensate for that. So it takes more insulin or a louder signal to tell the body to store those that extra glucose in the muscle, in the liver, than it would if uh, than it would under normal circumstances. So where I'm going here, chronically high levels of insulin or even short-term levels of high, excessively high insulin predispose a horse to laminitis. And that is a word that strikes fear into the hearts of every horse owner. So with equine metabolic syndrome, one of the major things we worry about is laminitis. And it's also why diet is such an important part of managing equine metabolic syndrome. Now, that is a very high level explanation of equine Cushing syndrome and equine metabolic syndrome. But I want to make sure that you understand that these are two distinctly separate endocrine disorders. Just because you have one does not mean you have the other. But again, if a horse has Cushing syndrome, they can be at higher risk for developing equine metabolic syndrome. Okay, so now that we've got past that, how do we feed these guys? That's why we're here, right? To talk about diet. Now you might say, oh, well, they're separate conditions. Are you going to feed them separately? Well, generally speaking, I'm going to make similar recommendations for horses with either condition. Now you might be thinking, okay, uh, Dr. Nettie, you just said that those are completely separate endocrine disorders, and they are. But either way, we want to make sure that horses with either Cushing's or metabolic syndrome or both have a limited starch and sugar content to their diet because we don't want to exacerbate that risk of metabolic syndrome or high insulin. So where are we going to start? If there are metabolic concerns, hay and forage is still the basis of the diet. And this, again, we've talked about hay analysis a lot on this program. So if you can have a hay analysis done, great. That's going to give you a lot of information for you to determine if a hay needs to be soaked or if it's okay for your horse to eat as is. And if you don't know the answer, of course, an equine nutritionist can help you. Um, and if you're not sure, you can soak that hay. You get a big muck tub, you dunk the hay in there, submerge it, let it sit for 30 to 45 minutes with tepid water on the average. Then you dump the hay, let it drain, then you can feed it. What else? Horse still needs forage in the diet. So this also means that you're probably going to have to put a grazing muzzle on your horse if you have access to pasture. Like, wait a second, you just said my horse needs forage. Yes, but the starch and sugar content of grass varies. And there's a lot of variables. It's time of year. It's where you live. 
the variety of grass that your horse has in their pasture. Uh, in some areas in the Northeast, you might see things like fescue or uh, even timothy, even brome grass. In the Southeast, you might see coastal Bermuda. So these grass varieties are going to vary according to where you live. And if you have a beautiful sunny day and it's nice and bright and the temperature's great and uh, the plant is going to use that sunlight for photosynthesis and the plant's use of photosynthesis is to make plant sugar so that the plant has enough energy to grow and thrive at night when the sun goes down the plant's got to use up that stored energy if it's really cold the plant is going to kind of not shut down its metabolism completely but it's going to hold on to those sugars because it doesn't it 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 just doesn't continue to metabolize as much in the cold. So if you have a beautiful warm bright sunny day in a really cold night, that's a risk factor for those grasses having high concentrations of sugar. Okay? So keep that in mind for your metabolic course. That's one reason why we're always going to tell you put a grazing muzzle on your metabolic horse. With hay, you can control it a little more because you can, again, you can get an analysis. If you don't have one, you can soak it to make sure you're removing at least some of those starches and sugars, and you have a little bit more control over the carbohydrate content going into your horse. So I hope that makes sense. Now, that may mean that you have to hang a hay net even in a pasture, or uh, you have to go out and make sure your horse has the appropriate amount of hay a couple times during the day, but it's doable. It doesn't mean that your horse should stand in a stall and be prevented from having turnout at all. Absolutely not. Ideally for that horse, a dry lot is great because they get their turnout and you don't have to worry about overconsumption of grass. Now, whether or not that horse who has a metabolic issue, is overweight, underweight, or at the perfect weight, is also going to dictate the type of diet that is recommended. So for an overweight horse, which is another risk factor for equine metabolic syndrome, it doesn't mean that if you have an overweight horse, they are automatically, uh, they automatically have equine metabolic syndrome. It just means that they are at risk for it then your horse probably needs a controlled amount of hay, about one and a half to two percent of their body weight per day, and definitely a ration balancer. Probably does not need any grain concentrate or any other source of calories, but definitely needs that ration balancer for the protein, vitamins, and minerals. If you have a horse who has a metabolic condition and is underweight, you might be thinking, uh-oh, what do I do if I can't feed him a grain? Well, it's not that you can't feed him a grain. You can but you want to make sure that that grain concentrate is a low starch and sugar or low NSC product. Now, there is no scientific definition of low NSC, but generally we're looking for less than about 12% NSC per pound on an as-fed basis, generally speaking. So that should also have a high fat content at least six is kind of moderate. I much prefer for horses that need weight, more like a 10 to 14% fat out there. And those products do exist. You just have to look around and buyer beware. Or 
and or a fat supplement, something as simple as vegetable oil. A cup of vegetable oil is roughly about 1,900 calories as you and I think about them. So in a horse that needs 20, 22,000 calories a day to maintain their weight, one cup of oil is quite a bit without a lot of bulk to the ration. It's liquid. So you're not adding any carbohydrates, but you're adding a lot of calories. So that's one option. If your horse is maintaining their weight, looks good, weight's good, don't need to gain, don't need to lose, then you can evaluate the type of diet that they're on. You might think, hey, it's A-OK, but you do want to double check if they are consuming a concentrate that it isn't one that is very high in starch and sugar. So if it's in the high teens, low 20s, um, you may be okay as long as the horse is not, does not have equine metabolic syndrome. If they do have equine metabolic syndrome, you're going to want that percentage to be lower. So I know that's a little bit confusing. So if you want to play that back, in general, we're trying to limit the starch and sugars of these metabolic horses. So tips to do that, soaking hay, grazing muzzles, low starch and sugar concentrate if needed, probably definitely a ration balancer again. So each horse's individual needs are going to vary. Can't say that enough. But generally speaking, those are some high-level recommendations. So what about other feeding solutions? Starting with your hay, moderate quality, right? I generally recommend avoiding alfalfa. I do not think alfalfa is evil. I do not think alfalfa is bad for horses at all. However, alfalfa does tend to be higher in calories and it does tend to be higher in starch and sugar. It's not always and you do not know without an analysis. But if alfalfa is all you have access to, and there are places, certainly in the western United States, where that is the primary forage source, it's okay. Don't panic. One of the things you can do is soak it. Again, if you have tap cool water, about 60, 65 degrees, and you submerge it and you soak it and you drain it, that will definitely help remove some of those carbohydrates. I already talked about controlled starch and sugar concentrates if needed. Even better, if you have to, even with a low starch and sugar concentrate for these metabolic horses, if you can feed multiple small meals, that is ideal as opposed to either feeding just once a day, which I I don't ever recommend, or twice a day. So if you're if you have a horse who again needs calories or is underweight and you're feeding a concentrate, if you can feed three meals per day, even four meals per day, and I understand in boarding situations sometimes that that's a challenge, but in most boarding situations, I find it's usually reasonable to work in a third meal, whether it's a lunch or at night check or something like that. And the reason is you're lowering, even with a controlled carbohydrate feed, you're just lowering the load the horse is consuming at once. So you're spreading out what they're eating over a longer period of time. So you're less likely to get a big spike in insulin. Hope that makes sense. That These horses still have their vitamin, mineral, protein needs. I always say that. So if your horse is not getting any concentrate, we need the ration balancer. If they're only getting a little bit of concentrate or they're getting uh, a lot of fat, they definitely want that ration balancer. And if you are feeding fat, you're going to want to supplement some good quality vitamin E. Vitamin, vitamin E fat oxidation can create some free radicals and vitamin E can help to balance that out. 
So (laughs) that was a lot to take in. So in summary, just to remind you, each horse is an individual. If your veterinarian tells you, oh, your horse's blood work came back and, you know, they're metabolic. The only way, the, the way to diagnose Cushing's disease or PPID, the ideal way to do it is with something called uh, the TRH stim test. That's thyrotropin releasing hormone stimulation test. Your vet will know what that means. And it's a series of two blood tests and an injection of TRH. To truly diagnose metabolic syndrome, the gold standard is something called the oral sugar test, which is not that different in horses than it is in people. Essentially, you take a blood sample baseline after the horse has not eaten a concentrate meal. So after an overnight fast, they can have hay. And then based on their body weight, you give them a dose. Here in the United States, we use caro syrup and other parts of the world. Uh, there are other sugar solutions available, but we'll use caro syrup here in the United States. And then you wait an hour and you take a blood test and then you wait another 30 minutes and you take another blood test. Your vet sends it to the lab and then you get a report back on glucose and insulin numbers. And based on those, you can determine if your horse is insulin resistant or not. You can also do that test based on the actual meal that they eat. So you could take your baseline blood sample, feed them their normal meal wait 60 minutes, take the blood again, and then another 30 minutes. So you can, and that's actually an even better way to do it because then you can determine if the diet your horse is getting is appropriate for their condition. So for those things, you're going to talk to your vet about either an oral sugar test or a TRH stim test for diagnostic purposes. Generally, if you have a horse over the age of 15, I think most vets are typically doing that test. If not, or you're not sure, ask them. But remember, it's not just an old horse disease. When it comes to Cushing's disease, it is much more common in older horses, but young horses are not immune. A friend of mine has a 10-year-old warm blood, and he has Cushing's disease. So it's not out of the question. Not as common, but uh, it does happen. Now, equine metabolic syndrome, again, does not discriminate against age, breed, type, region of the world that you're in at all. So the talk to your vet if you are unsure or if you need help. And then when you need help with the diet, reach out to an equine nutritionist. That's why we're here. So I know I just threw a whole lot at you. And if you have questions, you can reach out to me at equinenutritionphd at yahoo.com if you're interested in a consultation, same email address. And otherwise, I hope that you learned something today. Feel free to reach out with your comments. And of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to like and share with all of your barn friends. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of your time with me today, and we'll see you next time on Farm to Stable. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Farm to Stable, a science-based equine nutrition podcast. Please share and subscribe if you found the content interesting, and if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send it to equinenutritionphd at yahoo.com.